And then said, yeah, on two Corinthians. <laughs> I said, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, God blessed Abraham and Job and Solomon Job. and Joseph. <laughs> Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at mach1fg.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to mach1fg.com. For more information. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, episode number 68. Folks, we're in a topic today that we're all can't wait to get a hold of and talk about. And hopefully you got your radio turned up or whatever you listen to this on and uh, maybe you share this with a friend. All right, so today we're going to talk about the Bible, how it talks a lot about money and possessions. There's more than 2,000 verses on the topic. God must have known we would need some help and some direction with this. That's twice as many verses about money than it is about faith and prayer combined. Matt, David, I know you both are well-versed in the Bible, so we're going to jump into this. So, um, first of all, is there anything wrong with money? Well, of course not. I mean, uh, it, it, <laughs> I think of a quote from Zig Ziglar where he said, you know, money isn't everything. But it, but it's sort of like oxygen. You can't go very long without it. And that's true. I think that's probably why, you know, there's so much about money in the Bible, because it is critically important to our everyday existence. But money can also, you can make a God out of money, just like you can make a God out of anything else. And I think that's where the healthy balance is between realizing that it's important to, to be wise with your money, to make sure that you aren't dependent upon someone else or the government to the extent that you can control that, but not focus so much on it that you make it that you make it a god and make it the you know your end all and be all because um, you know we're all aware that you can't take it with you when you die. Nothing wrong with having money, but it, like David said, it's good to have some money uh, because it is like oxygen; you need it. But is, does money have you? Is the big question. Who are some of the people in the Bible, Matt, that God blessed with wealth? Yeah, uh, there's several examples, like you said, Mike, Abraham, Job, Solomon, Joseph, um, quite a few others, but all of those guys specifically had a lot of wealth. And God blessed them with it. Absolutely. Now, David, you were talking earlier about, you know, money, and we've heard this thing about the money is the root of all evil. Is that the way you read it, David? No, the Bible doesn't actually say that money is the root of all evil. It actually says, it's actually in a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where it says the love of money is the root of all evil. And before those verses, it talks about how godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, But the love of money, the focus on money, making money a God, like I kind of uh, 
alluded to a moment ago, that's where you get into trouble. And, and that can be the root of all evil, right? Because you, if you love money and you're constantly focused on how to acquire more of it, you might be tempted to do some un, unethical things to gain more of it. So that's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But money in and of itself is not evil. Um, money, you can obviously do a lot of good things with money. You can obviously do a lot of bad things with money. I think uh, the more wealth and possession someone has, the more it tends to reflect their inner character than it does anything else. Well, if any of our listeners are Dave Ramsey fans, he uses an example of money being like a brick. He says you can take a brick and you can build a hospital. That's a good use of money. Or you can take a brick and throw it through somebody's windshield. That's bad use of a brick. Well, it's not the brick. It's the person behind the brick or the person behind the money in this situation. So the love of money can lead to an unhappy or unfulfilling life. Matt, you got any examples? Yeah, absolutely. So the, for example, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, you know, Lazarus ended up in heaven despite his poverty and not having a lot of worldly possessions or possessions in general. And the, and the rich man ended up in hell. And it's also worth noting that you know, the rich man didn't end up in hell because of his wealth, but um, really, like David was just talking to, talking about, but for the love of money or the condition of his heart specifically is what led to his, um, you know, going to hell. Yeah, I mean, he had the opportunity, right? You know, sell everything, give it to the poor and follow me, and he just couldn't have himself do that. Um, and we see some of that, too, from time to time in our business. Sorry. Uh, a, a, a common misconception is about the camel going through the eye of a needle. However, th this is very interesting because my wife and I went to Israel and we actually got to see where we supposedly this came from. Is when you walk into this church, the doorway is about four foot tall and the, for a camel to go through there, the camel would have to get down on its knees. Well, if you know anything about a camel, the knees fold backwards and there's no way for it to propel itself forward. So they said it's tougher for the camel to go through the eye of the needle of that little hole than it is a rich man to get into heaven. And, so, and this is what the Israelis were telling us at that point. So I got a visual picture of this. So does that mean wealthy people can't go to heaven, David? Uh, no, of course it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it's impossible for someone who's wealthy to, to go to heaven. Um, what I think Jesus was talking about here is he was saying that if you're, if you're already wealthy before you come to a saving faith in, in Christ— um, you know, you can, you can have this sense of self-assuredness, right? That you've got it all together and you don't need anything. You don't need, uh, you don't need salvation. You don't need Christ. You don't need faith. Uh, you've, you've got it together and you're making your own way through life. And so I think from that perspective, it is, that is true. It's difficult for someone who's already found wealth, who's already very successful, who, and has not, has never been, uh, come to a saving faith at that point in their life, it is definitely more difficult for them than for someone who, who is less well off, let's say, because, you know, Jesus says, I have not come to, uh, for those who've got it all together, but I've come to save those who are, you know, who, who need a, need a hospital, so to speak. And again, it's not the wealth that causes the issue. It's the person's heart that's behind the wealth. I mean, we all know of people that are wealthy, that are very generous, and you're glad to have those kind of folks, but you also know some maybe not so wealthy people that are real stingy, real selfish, and so it's not the, the wealth, it's the heart behind it. So 
so if you have wealth, are you supposed to give it all away, Matt? Is that what the Bible says? No, it, it, God doesn't expect us to live in, in poverty or to give everything that we you know, have. I think first and foremost, we have to come to the realization that everything we have is from him and is his. So that, I think, is a lot more important than, than saying, oh, we've got to go get, gather all our worldly possessions, our money, and, and give it away to other people. Um, he doesn't call us to live in poverty. For and a perfect example is, you know, the parable of the talents, when you know he talks about being wise and being good stewards with your money, and talks about you know investing it versus burying um, your money and not doing anything with it. So I think there's a lot that can be found, not only that says, um, you know, that doesn't specifically say, hey, give all your money away, but it does say to invest it and be good stewards and grow it and build wealth again, so that we can um, be generous. In, in many ways, because like David mentioned earlier, wealth is a is a resource that can be used for the greater good. Then Zig Ziglar likes to say, you know, he, he thinks God made the good things in life for his good people. He doesn't expect all the people that are bad people to get all the good things. So I think he made them for us as well. So just keep that in mind. All right. Uh, along those same lines, uh, some assume that God promised blessings. God promises a blessing. We don't have to worry about money. Do you think about that? You know, I actually taught a class once, and I had a person come to me and says, well, I think I'm going to drop my health insurance because I think God's going to take care of me. And I go, well, uh, I don't agree with you uh, <laughs> unless you got a special word from God because God gave us all a brain, and the number one reason for personal bankruptcy is unpaid medical bills. So I don't agree with you. Right. Uh, and they were doing it to save some money, so I get that. So uh, should we just not worry about money and just happy-go-lucky? No, I don't think. I don't think God wants us to worry about money. I mean, that, there's a lot of there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about worrying and how, you know, we sh- we look at the birds of the of the air and you know they don't store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you look at the flowers of the field and it says not even Solomon and all his riches was dressed like one of these. But yet, you know, they don't worry about clothing. And so He says, you know, who of you uh, by worrying can add a single hour? to his life and why do you worry about clothes why do you worry about food your heavenly father uh takes care of the birds and the flowers he'll take care of you too um and it says you know seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well however that does not mean that you should just you know sit back uh get in your easy chair kick kick your feet up and say all right lord let's see what you're going to provide today because there's a verse in proverbs 10.4 that says a slack hand causes poverty but the hand of the diligent makes rich and he who gathers in summer is a prudent son but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame so naturally you know God expects us to work and add value to other people's lives that's what I think work is right I enjoy work because I feel like what we do every day here at Mach 1 is adding value to other people's lives in in so many ways and we get paid to do it, um, or, or whether you you know mow lawns or whatever you do, you're adding value to people, um, and you get paid to do that. So no, God doesn't expect you to just sit back and trust that He's going to provide everything. He expects you to work. And go along that same lines, Dave. There's a verse in the Bible. I don't know the, the chapter verse, but it says, a "Person that does not work should not, not eat." eat. So he doesn't want us to just to sit back and do nothing. And I tell this all the time when I'm teaching the financial class, the money school, that the most fun anybody's ever going to have with money is giving it away. I challenge anybody to do that 
and, ch and come back and say, nope, Mike, that wasn't much fun. I promise you, you will love doing it. You just got to have it to do it. Right, Matt? Exactly. And I know, David, one thing you've um, told me before was we've been talking on this topic, but is and I'm going to butcher this, so forgive me, but having like uh, being like a river, yeah. not not like a pond not like or a for pond. whatever. Yeah. So, you know, as you give, just trusting in the Lord that he'll replenish and continue to provide and that you continue to give. And I think a lot, there's a lot of fear in our world today. And it's easy to want to be a pond because you're just like the fearful of the unknown. Yeah. And you want to protect what you have and, and just kind of set idle. But having that faith to continue to give generously and then, you know, continue to work and work cheerfully um, and trust them. You know, yeah, the I, Lord think, I think that's great. You know, when you when you start to, you know, for for those of you listening who are believers and, you know, you start to realize that God is your provider. God provides you with what you need not meaning that you don't work for it, but you're, you're at work and you trust that God's going to provide what you need. And when you realize that he owns and controls everything to begin with, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as it says in Psalms, then that ought to allow you to be the river, so to speak. Or one other thing I always say is live life with an open hand and trust God to refill it. Kind of the same, same way of saying, you know, being a river and not a pond. A pond collects a lot of scum and nastiness, right? Whereas a river, think about a mountain stream and how clean it is. Um, but I think that's 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 the better way to live is to live generously. You know, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive, and that it's and that's, true. That's why they call our money currency. We want to <laughs> keep right. it flowing. That's true. All that's, right. That's a good point. All right, folks. Lots of good information today. Hey, you know, God knew we struggled with this thing called money. That's why he gave us so many instructions about it. We just got to put it to work in our daily lives. And since we call this the Mach 1 market moment, you might want to know what the market's doing. Well, David, the market's, we got a little bit of a mixed bag today, but we've been hitting 52-week highs recently. What does that mean? Yeah, it's pretty, you know, the, the, it's pretty self-explanatory based on the name. It's the highest point that the market or a stock has been at in the last 52 weeks. Um, and so a lot of times you'll hear commentators talking about, you know, a new 52-week high. Um, the truth of the matter is the market tends to trade at, at all-time highs or 52-week highs, which would be the same thing, uh, a majority of the time. It makes sense. If you've got a market that's trending up over a long period of time, and if you look at the long history of the market, the market has trended up. Well, for it to do that, you naturally have to be trading at or near an all-time high and a 52-week high most of the time. Thank you for that explanation, David. All right, folks, that's it for today. I've got a thought of the day we'd like to end with, and it's coming from the Bible as well. It's Proverbs 13:11, and it says... Money wrongly gained will disappear bit by bit. Money earned little by little will grow and grow. Proverbs 13, 11. Folks, we look forward to you listening to us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 
does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com disclosures.